In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I kick off our off-season coverage, diving into our quick thoughts on whether or not we think Doc Rivers will be back, whether James Harden will be back, whether Tobias Harris will return, whether or not Brooklyn will defer the 23rd pick in the draft to next year, and whether or not the Sixers will have a selection in this year's draft, and what to make of the reports that Daryl Morey will go star hunting this summer. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. It's been a, it's been a, I, hmm, when was the last time we podcast? Probably about a week ago, a little over a week ago, maybe. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Um, it's been a, it's always that first wind down week where we don't have to go to games yeah. at night and basketball is still going on. Hey, I mean, we're used to this. We, we're used to <laughs> second round. Second round. Yep. <laughs> Kick your feet up and watch conference finals because we're not covering them, unfortunately. It is. Uh, you do get yeah. into a little bit of pattern, especially for me, like the first week after the season ends. And look, across the board, all of our usage rates go down a little bit. Playoffs can be a little bit hectic. But a lot of the stuff that it's not even like I'm sitting on, you know, the beach, like kicking my feet up. Like it's just stuff that I've been ignoring for the last two months. I got a cracked windshield in my car. I got that fixed. Some house projects I've been like, ah, that can we can put that off until the summer. Well, the summer gets here a little earlier than expected, but you get to get some of those things off of your to do list, which is always nice. You, but you always make fun of my cracked phone screen. You I had do. a cracked windshield. I, yeah. I did have a quack, cracked windshield. Had it for a couple of weeks there. Um, put that off until the season was over. But for me, you get a couple games into the conference finals. Certainly, by the time you get to the finals, and you go, you know what? Would have been nice to cover an NBA Finals. Certainly watching Boston and Miami, I feel like we're missing out on. But then again, I'm kind of used to missing out on it. Which, if we're saying that, it really sucks to be you guys, the the listeners and the fans who devote so much to this team. Stuff. The the Miami-Boston series. Miami's playing better than I thought, honestly, in that series. That was a really tough win. We're recording on Sunday morning. Really tough win in Boston last night with everybody dropping like flies. So... Maybe maybe the Heat were a little bit better than we gave them credit for. I still think Boston is going to win that series, but it Miami is certainly certainly making it a war. Yeah. And it's uh yeah, the other nice thing though I will say is that we got a full summer again. I we're back on the normal NBA calendar, yeah. man. I you know, this going into mid July with all this this stuff was just that was no good. And then the first year October. So yeah. So let's get into uh let's get into some off season stuff. So I think over at The Athletic, you wrote a pair of articles, pretty much an off-season primer. I've got something similar coming up for next week. But I think that'll basically serve as a blueprint for today's podcast, just basically going over some of the ramifications, some of the, you know, what we think will shake out from the Sixers, I'll call it disappointing second round exit. Yeah, we, we can still call it that. Yeah. Yeah. A week did a week soften Cert- you up? No, no. That the the so I keep going back and forth. Like on the one hand, the losing in the second round of the Heat when Joel Embiid is a shell of himself is understandable, but the way they went out is just not. I th- it's just I think not. A, I think a week softened you up, man. I, I don't I don't think so. They're I, pathetic. I, they're pathetic exit. Okay. I think I just don't want to uh, rehash that for another podcast. <laughs> um, Fair enough. So I guess we'll just start off. 
There's been a lot of talk about Doc. The Lakers are still sort of going through their finalists. A lot of speculation from some people whether Doc would be in that group or sort of outside of that group, but the the name looming. Uh, some I've seen some columnists in Los Angeles say that they should pursue Doc. Do you think Doc Rivers is going to be the Sixers head coach to start next season? <sighs> I think it's pretty close to 50-50, like I, I would say. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that this drumbeat from Los Angeles is growing louder. I mean, you got Bill Plaschke writing they should hire Doc Rivers every other day. Bill, to Bill be clear, he, when he's saying that, he's saying they should hire him, not that they will. Yeah, it's it's a columnist's opinion, yeah. but I also think he's somebody who's been out there for a long time. Forever. Like I, 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 Forever. I, and he's not the only person who is uh, who's speculating on this. You got... You know, you got like Bill Simmons saying like, this is ridiculous that they have these three finalists. Basically, everybody, there's just a league wide skepticism that the Lakers are actually going through a real coaching search right now with their three finalists, which I believe was reported on The Athletic. Darvin Ham, Kenny Atkinson, and Terry Stotts. Terry Stotts. Uh, And, you know, Terry Stotts was a name I I had heard for them for a long time. And I guess just until that happens, until one of those people are actually hired, I think a lot of people wonder, is Doc going to be the guy to get that job? Because this is the one job where it's almost not even about basketball. You just need a a big personality. You need somebody who can withstand the LeBron, the AD, all this attention with the Lakers. And Doc, for better or worse, kind of fits that a little bit better than a lot of people. I'll just say this right now. They had Frank Vogel, a guy who not only won a championship, who not only won a championship recently, he won a championship recently with that team. Yeah, yeah. And that didn't bring him any level of cachet two years later. He was the lamest Doc there ever was this year. Yep. So I I do kind of wonder if they are looking for Doc in that regard, but... You know, we talked about this before, like the Sixers are setting a hard line stance here that we're not letting Doc go. Um, we're not firing him, basically. Yeah. So, and, and that's, mean, I think some of that is financially motivated as well. But yeah, it's, I think the Sixers are the more interesting version of this right now, right? Because it's, do they actually want him to return is, is the better question. Like, like how much do they actually want him to come back and how much of this is just, setting a hard line and saying, Hey, we're not paying you to go away. Yeah. And look, I think, you know, we said it in the last podcast that I don't think doc's going to be fired. I still don't think doc's going to be fired. I think you're right. We're not going to really feel like this is resolved. No matter what Daryl says on the record, no matter what the Sixers say behind closed doors, nobody's really going to feel like this is resolved until the Lakers hire a coach. Yep. And those head coaches are an interesting group. You've got Kenny Atkinson, who's very much thought of as a player development kind of guy. They're completely different. Wouldn't wouldn't be, you know, the kind of roster that you would expect him to be in the running for. Ham being a first-time head coach, not exactly the kind of roster you'd want to hand over to him. Not saying he's not qualified, yeah. but it would be an interesting choice. So the Group, I understand why. And Stotts in, coached in Portland for a long time, which is, that's a completely different game than, yeah. than Los Angeles. So Sorry. I understand if you're in Los Angeles and you're looking at the, the candidate list and wondering like, well, don't you want a more veteran coach to handle this last run of LeBron's career? 
Well, I say that, and who freaking knows with that guy? But dude, this run of LeBron's career, and I get it. I don't think that's necessarily a solution, but I understand why you're looking at this candidate list and, and wanting a little bit more. So my guess is that I don't think, I think Doc is going to be back. Uh, I think yeah. he is going to be the Sixers head coach. I think it's it's stronger than 50-50. I think it's probably at least 70-30, I would give the odds. But, I mean, it's going to be a talking point until they hire a coach. And quite frankly, I don't know how many times you have to interview each of those three, but you would think this would get wrapped up relatively soon. And the longer and longer and longer it gets drawn out, the more speculation is going to come up. Well, and it also comes down to what does Doc want? Yeah, right, hundred percent. Like if you if you gave him his his druthers and said you're a free agent, you can coach for the Sixers and the Lakers. Let's say financial compensation was the exact same. Which one would you pick? I'd be very interested to know what he. he I thought would be about very that. interested because on the one hand, I think the Sixers are in a better spot because yeah, that definitely. roster is a train wreck. On yeah. the other hand, they've got a lot of old players over there, Rich, and we know how Doc loves his thirty something players. Plus, you get the L.A. life, uh, the golf courses. I don't really know what the golf courses are like. I don't know what the golf courses are like in Philly because, quite frankly, I can't stand that sport because I suck at it. Boo. Look, I don't have anything against the game. I'm just freaking terrible at it, so I gave up on it. But I would assume they're better out there. The weather's better. There's all kinds of reasons. But in terms of contention, I think the Sixers are in a better spot, even though they were pathetic to go out there in the second round, like we said. At least they got the second round. You're right. I think you're right. A little bit better than 50-50, just because I don't see... The other thing is, I don't see the Sixers paying him to go away. Like, I don't think... I wrote about this a little bit in my piece this week. As much as Doc frustrates me, you look back at this playoff exit, and Bede hurt. Hard and slow. Maxie's too young. The rest of your team is just not good enough. It's not a loss I would pin on Doc. It's not, you know, as much as... It was frustrating, and of course, of course, it started with DeAndre Jordan starting <laughs> in that series. It, it's just one where I look at. First off, I look at the last two regular seasons, and I I can say point blank, they're not underachieving under him with with what they went through. Number one seed last year, and then this year with all the shit they had to deal with. Like I, I get it, Embiid was was awesome, but so so I think if you evaluate his performance, I I don't think he's like a an obvious performance-based firing here. So, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, if I had to bet, you're, you're right. I, I think I, I would lean towards he'll be back, but it is a talking point until the Lakers get hired. It'd be funny. Like, let's say the Lakers hire one of these guys. The tweet should also come with the disclaimer. Doc Rivers is also going to be the coach of the, the Sixers next year, by the way. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I, I received a little bit of feedback that we were apologizing for Doc, which is interesting considering everything that's happened that we we're apologizing for doc in the last pod my whole thing is just i think it's easy real easy to get reductive on the six problems it's not all about him do i think he's a great coach no do i have problems with what he does yes do i like the offensive attack there throughout the series could have been better for sure but i think there's so many other problems around him that i think the way i phrase it i don't think he's a solution but i think you've got to chip away at some of the other problems until he becomes the actual thing holding you back. And I just don't think they're at that point yet. Would I like upgrade if it's there? Yeah, but I understand why they don't want to give him $24 million to go away too. When there's not necessarily an obvious upgrade elsewhere. I, you know, I I don't know who it would be. By the way, I feel like we're being pretty consistent here. During the Brett Brown years, we got called apologists just because we liked him. 
well, because I, we, because he was a good guy to right. us and, and all these things. Doc's Doc a is shithead like, to us. <laughs> he's like not that great to us, and we're look like we're being consistent here. I, I don't think the coach. I, I know that's like the is, is this the right way to put it? The cause celebrate right now. Like that's the yeah. I see kids at graduations holding up. Yep. Fire Glen River signs as they're walking across the state. Everybody wants this guy out of here. But I'm being consistent where I don't think the coach is the, the biggest issue with uh, with this crew right now. So. Yeah, no, and I think I think people like long-term listeners will understand that we believe that this is a player's league. We think too much attention is, played, is paid at times to the coaching staff. Like I said, we get reductive and pin everything because it's the easiest one to change. And it's the easiest one to blame when a lot of the problems are more systemic. And again, do I think Doc is a I, great coach? No, but I focus on the roster a lot. And I would say more this season, even more than systemic, situational. I mean, with the 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 flux that the roster was in the entire year to the point where they had to trade two depth pieces by the end of it, like understandably a, a very weird season. But one other thing too, I would like to say when it comes to discussing Doc we talk about him like he's the only person there. Like, they have a pretty good staff behind him, I yep. think, as well. And that should also be factoring in. Like, you know, there have been past coaches. I'm thinking of, like, Mark Jackson. He wanted basically bad assistant coaches so nobody would threaten him or whatever. Like, I think the Sixers have a, a pretty good, well-rounded overall staff. They did a good job, especially two seasons ago when they had a normal roster situation for the most part. So just, I, I would say, include that in when, when you're saying fire Doc, because he's not the only one responsible for the, the coaching. Uh, in my case, if you wanted to change a coach, it would be much more last year's playoffs than it would be this year. Yep. Uh, or his overall track record, which I know he doesn't want to be, be have brought up, and he wants a context around there. But I think he has some faults as a coach, which lead to some struggles in the playoffs. Body of work, uh, I think you can make a case that there would be an upgrade, but I think what happened this year... It is beyond just the coach. Um, and like I said, I think we do get way too caught up in pinning everything on the coach because, like I said, it's the easiest to change. It's the easiest to throw your venom towards. Uh, it, there's a lot more wrong with this roster. And, and I wrote about this this week as well. If they did replace him, I think that would be fine. I think he is eminently replaceable. Sure. He's middle of the road, fungible, even though I know he's top 13, whatever coach, quote unquote. We're not going to write the Marcus Hayes like, it would be a travesty to fire him article. Uh, we're just not no. going to pin everything that was wrong with the Sixers on him as well. All right. So let's move on to Harden. Do you think he's back? And we're going to avoid sort of like the contract details of what that means with him coming back, because we will have many podcasts to talk about this just right now. Yes. No. Do you think he will be on the Sixers to start next season? This one's a little easier. Yes. I do expect him to be yeah. back. Next I season. would be absolutely floored if he's not back. Unless some something happens, like look, if Daryl does try to negotiate hardball with him and he gets really pissed off and just says, "You know what? I'll take less money to go elsewhere." I don't think that's going to happen, but it would take something completely out of left field like that that we're not expecting to come off of this expected course. I just don't see the market out there being strong for him. Uh, I think he is going to get the most money from the Sixers, and I think he understands that he has a pretty good chance of winning with Joel Embiid and an environment that he's comfortable with, uh, you know, with, with Daryl Morey. I think it's a very, very, very strong chance. I don't want to say a lock, but very close to a lock that he is back next year. And again, we're not going to get into it today, but he's going to be back next year. 
but the devil's in the details. Yes. What, what, what under what circumstances? Because you know, if he takes a lot less money, that opens up other avenues for them to to add to this roster. And he, I will say, he kind of mentioned it in his brief post game press conference after Game Six. Like, yeah, I'll do what it takes, you know, to. Uh, I think so, he said something like build the roster around. Like, whatever. I don't know exactly what he said. You know, this has been a week ago. At this point, <laughs> you can't expect me to remember that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it will be interesting to see because the uh, it, it certainly seems like the Mac should be off the table. And is there a compromise contract to be had? Yeah, there better be. There better be. I, I've had some people ask me in various appearances I've made, like, well, don't you think that uh, Daryl and Harden talked about the next contract before the trade happened, so they were on the same page. Of course they did. That's why I said there could be a little bit of, if Daryl tries a hardball and maybe Harden doesn't yeah. react well to that, but you you can't offer him the max. When we didn't want to get into the contract details here, in part because I think we still have some stuff to work through, but you can't, you just, you can't, there's no way. There's no way. If he is that stuck on it, then you let him opt into that $47 million option for next year and go from there. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add until we get into the specific details. I think he is almost 100% going to be back. So, All right, last one from the players, Tobias Harris. That's the one. And uh, if I had to guess right now, and it's so I think they are going to try very hard to move him this offseason. He is the logical guy to move. Now, can you do it, right? Because... What he's still got two years, and I think it's seventy-seven million or something. A around lot, that. a lot. It's a lot. It's <laughs> it's in the high thirties for for both of the the years on the on the contract. That said, it's only two years left now, so not quite as bad. And he did like look. I thought he had a nice playoffs. Honestly, sure. like I, I thought he he played pretty well. Trailed off a little bit at the end, but yep, yeah, very strong. J- Jimmy got him at the end, but uh, and, and look, that's why. He's an overpaid player, like for sure. To me, the logical move for these guys, and I think it might have been the logical move even before you knew Harden was not this version. I think I think you basically have to pray Harden is going to get better. And you have to trade Tobias Harris and try and turn him in to two or maybe three pieces. If yeah. you can. That's the logical move. Because to me, this team does not need another star. I mean, it, it could use another star if it's like, you know, a top five, top 10, two-way player. But I, I just think when you have Harden, you have Maxi, you have two guards, you have Embiid on the other end. Tobias is the logical guy. Trade him and turn him into two or three players who fit on the positional spectrum in between those guys. Because one of the, you know, one of the things we saw in these playoffs is that the Sixers have question marks both with their starters, and really, when they have question marks with their starters, their question mark is Harden as their as their star player. Is he still good enough to be that number two guy, number three guy if Maxi takes another step up? Can he do the little things like you have said when he has not done the little things his entire career? That's a question with the starters. But their bench is also a massive question. And frankly, it's not just their bench. It's their past their fourth player at this point, past their fifth player. Um, they just don't have enough guys who can survive in playoff series. So to me, that is the obvious option. I don't know how successful they're going to be. Like, I don't think Tobias is a good contract still at this point. I know two years, there's less of it and they can talk up, 
you know, how he played in the playoffs, but, but I definitely think that's the logical route to go with this team. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager yeah i think i would certainly think that there is a greater than 50 percent chance he has moved in the offseason part of that is if they go star hunting, which, as I alluded to, that's our next uh, topic of conversation. If they do, Tobias Harris's contract, which is two years, $79.4 million left, is needed for salary matching. It's Ooh. less of a negative contract than it had been in previous years because there's only two years left. You are 12 months away from that being a big expiring contract. So it is less of a an anchor, and you can attach other stuff to maybe go star hunting. I think the more likely scenario- What, what other stuff? Never, don't we don't need to get people pissed off? <laughs> there's not a lot. I think no, there's not, and it's not the guy who doesn't have a shot. And you can interpret that in any way you want. I think the more likely scenario is <laughs> what you said, where you take Tobias's forty million dollars or thirty eight, thirty nine, whatever it is, and break it up into multiple contracts, because in the role that he's currently in, when he shares a court with James Harden. He has Tobias Harris has an 18% usage rate when he's sharing it with Harden and Bede and Maxi. It's, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm assuming it's lower than that, probably in the 16, 17% range. If he is not being used as a top option as a 23 plus percent usage, then a, you can get other players who are better at the skills that are needed to excel in the role he's currently in. Well, that's more of a high volume shooter, maybe an off movement shooter, a more versatile defender. You can find people that fill those roles better and you can split the, that, that $40 million contract into multiple. I think that is the goal. Increase your depth, maybe increase the quality of your role players so that your high volume shooter isn't dead leg George Niang. And you can take, some, and again, I don't think you're going to trade Tobias Harris for an upgrade at his position for a more talented, better overall player. But you might be able to get two, maybe even three role players who can help with your depth, maybe help you get some players who are not completely one-dimensional and fill that role better and just make better oh. usage of money. And again, you're not going to create real salary cap flexibility. 
So I think it has to be like, you're not, I don't think you're going to dump to buy Saris's contract. To me, it really has to be the right deal where you can exchange that for two or three smaller contracts for role players. One dimensional would be fine on one end of the court. Yeah. Like if you are a one dimensional shooter, but also can defend. Right. That, that would be okay. So yeah, a, a more, look, if they can just get three, three and D guys who can stick in the playoffs, if they can get three, uh, you know, PJ Tucker's Grant Williams, so, some, something along those lines, not, not even as good as them, but just guys who in the playoffs, you can reasonably throw out and add that level of toughness that they yeah. were talking about, yep. add that, um, add that quality, but also just, just stick. Like you can't, Daryl said it in the, the press conference. He even admitted it. He was like Matisse and, you know, he's going to work on his shot, but one way players, they're, they're really hard to, uh, have so I, I will say like it's admirable that this late season storyline that Tobias basically took on the role of the garbage man of the yep. of the defensive player but that's not his thing that's not no. what he is uh what he's best at so it would be better if you could find two or three of those guys who are, are just better at it and uh yeah increase the depth because they'll, they'll just be better in their role because with Harden with Maxi with Embiid Tobias is not going to be a, a top option. Yeah, and even if Harden takes a step back here over the next year or two, which we all sort of expect, you expect Maxi to take a step up. Tobias Harris is not going to. He's just not going to be a 23 to 25% usage guy. And I, right with you, I give him a lot of credit for embracing his role and doing things at a level defensively that we he really has never done throughout the course of his career. Um, I give him a lot of credit for that. Like I said, it's not even finding one player who's going to be better than Tobias Harris. It's trying to get use that contract to find two or three smaller price contracts to increase your depth and quite frankly increase your trade flexibility if you do need to make another trade in you know at the deadline or whatnot the Sixers have very little in terms of matching salary it would just be good to break that contract up into a couple the the goal should start as turning Tobias into three players that should be the goal and it's it might be hard maybe it's two but to me that's uh that's the logical option. I think that's how they should, if you are committed to Harden, that's that's how you should go about this. Now, the other option, which has been floated about from Brian Windhurst, and I'm going to aggregate him without the direct quote oh, in front wait, of me. Wait, come on, I you know. can't do this. Don't, don't do this to Wendy. <laughs> there has been a lot of speculation that the Sixers will be star hunting. And I don't think Brian Windhurst used that term, but we will use that term because we have lived through star hunting for a couple of years. Um, but that Daryl Morey is going to be aggressive in trying to get another star in Philly is basically the gist, without having it in front of me, and I hope nobody sent this clip to Brian, basically the gist of what he was saying. I'm protesting this. <laughs> well, look, sometimes you do get aggregated and it's incorrect, and it's very frustrating. I get it. Do you think... We're, we're, we're using it as a jumping off. Sure. We're just using it as a discussion point. Do you think they uh, Daryl Morey will go star hunting, and do you think they should go star hunting? As a two-part question. I think he will because he's always looking for those big swings. Uh, I'm not sure it's feasible. And, and should they? Well, that depends on what you mean by star. I think we've we've come to understand, and we've lived this through Joel Embiid, where Joel Embiid, 2018-19 Joel Embiid, was the 12th to 15th best player in the league, something like that. Joel Embiid is now one of the five best players in basketball. That did, you is a, say, did you say 12th to 50th? 15th. Oh, okay. I was going to say that's a really wide range there, Rich. I mean, don't go too far out on a limb. Okay. I mean, I, it, I misheard it, you. 
it still would have fit in that range. <laughs> it would just, just letting you know. Just giving myself a little more, <laughs> little more downside. No, I, I do not think Joel <laughs> in 2018 was the 46 best player in the week. I think, <laughs> I think, I think he was a little bit better than that. Uh, but now he's a top five player, and that's a, a massive gulf. It's just, it's a completely different thing. And it's part of the reason I also wrote in my piece, I keep bringing this up because it was really the only thing I did this week that you just got to keep taking swings with this guy because he's that good. Um, that's just, it's, you know, I understand being in a down position, like just being bummed about how this season ended, but you just got to keep going. A- anyway, if you can get a Joel Embiid level player or maybe somebody right below him, a star that is a two-way, probably a wing, if we're being honest here, like if Les Harden gets moved or somebody like that. Or, they've, they've got a glut of short guys, yes. Yeah. I mean, or like in the crazy situation that this guy's good enough where you would consider moving Maxi, which, I mean, I mean, that would have to be an awesome player. So I, I don't want to uh, really get into that topic. Okay, then maybe they should. If it is a another small scoring guard who is you know, like the 23rd best player in the league and who maybe hasn't played for a team that has competed that much. Like, you know, it's funny. This this part of the, the calendar is when everybody gets called a loser after they, they fall in the playoffs. This, you know, a guy that, like, hasn't even made it really to this part of the, the calendar to, to avoid that uh, that who, criticism. Who I maybe I might... snuck in once in the past four years when their team was under 500. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, and who who may have played the Sixers in a playoff series? I'm kind of forgetting. It feels like it was a forgettable series anyway. I, I anyway, a, a lower level player, a lower level star, quote unquote star. No, I don't think they should be doing that. I think I think you have James Harden, you have Tyrese Maxey, who is, I think is going to get better and better every year. No, I would rather go for the depth route than do that. But again, it, it all it all depends on what you mean by star. Yeah, I agree with everything you said right there. If we were talking about a two-way wing, like a Paul George or a Kawhi, a healthy Kawhi, which obviously we're not because they're not trading them. But LeBron if you're talking James, right? Prime LeBron, bring him in here. And if we were talking about that level of a player, yes, Daryl should always be star hunting. If you have a chance to get a top ten player, you do it, and you. Build out the rest of your roster uh, around that. Problem is, I don't think James Harden right now is a top 10 player, but I also don't think Bradley Beal is a top 10 player in the league. And I think a lot of people, especially at this time last year, would have pushed back on that because he was leading the league or right up near the top of the league in scoring. I've never felt like Bradley Beal was a top 10 player in the league. There's just so much more to the game of basketball than one-on-one scoring that he has never excelled at. And I don't certainly don't want to attribute all of Washington's lack of success to him because that has been a poorly run franchise for a long time. But I do think there are aspects of the game that he struggles with that show up in playoff basketball. And I've never been as high on Bradley Beal as other people have. If you were talking about instead of James Harden, and I think James Harden as recently as last year was way better of a player than Bradley Beal. It wasn't even close. But if you didn't have James Harden right now and you were looking to acquire that perimeter score, okay, maybe we could have that conversation. By the way, but, Bradley Beal, man, had a brutal season last year. Really too, bad, by the way. Really bad. But now that you have James Harden, who again isn't who we thought he was, but at least provides some of that, and more importantly, provides a lot of that playmaking. You have Tyrese Maxey on the rise, and I expect twenty plus points per game out of Maxey next season. 
I just don't think that's a fit that is going to solve all of your problems. And you have so limited assets, and so limited flexibility. I'm not a huge believer in Bradley Beal on this team. I think what's a more interesting question than Bradley Beal, because we don't even really know if Bradley Beal would want to play in Philadelphia. What's more interesting is should the Sixers be in a holding pattern similar to the way they were with James Harden, holding all of their assets to pursue the next star that becomes available. And that's where I have a pretty strong, no, you can't do that. I don't think you can, you know, hold yourself back from making moves to improve your team because you're waiting for the next star to become available. I think they need to. um, And again, I think Daryl will always be on the lookout for stars. If we're talking top 10 stars, I think he should be. But I also think the Sixers are close enough where if they have opportunities, whether that's trading their draft pick this year, whether that is trading Tobias into multiple lesser contracts, if they have opportunities to improve their depth and improve their role players, I think they have to start really heavily pursuing them. And I, I don't think they can withhold that in the hopes that a star become available. Yeah, completely agree. One additional note on Bradley Beal. Very good off-ball mover in his in his prime that's a way he gets his points that was a better fit in my opinion when ben simmons was still here mm-hmm. and and joel Embiid. Th- those were your two cornerstones i frankly think tyrese maxey has just made the idea of acquiring bradley beal just not that interesting and it's yep. i mean and also with beal's poor play like i mean what, what did he shoot from three last year you're 30%. not even bringing you're not even bringing in additional shooting like i mean i, I think he's a better shooter than that but come on what what yeah, so that would not be the move I would make, and I, I agree with you. I think you, I think you go for the depth moves this year, and you you don't have an off season like you did last year where you kind of just hold everything for for Harden. Yeah, I agree. And I guess that sort of brings us up to the last one. Do you think the Sixers will have their pick, which would be the twenty third pick in the draft? Will they have that, or will Brooklyn take it? I think Brooklyn will give it to the Sixers this year. So I because I, I guess taking a step back. The Sixers traded two draft picks in the James Harden trade. The 2027 first round pick, which is top something protected, top six, top eight. I forget what it is. doesn't matter. It's, you know, a long time in the future. And they also included the 2022 first round pick, which Brooklyn has the option to defer until 2023. And that option, they have to um, let the Sixers know of their decision by June 1st. And I had some people wondering where that June 1st date comes from. That is not like a CBA dictated date. That is something the Nets and the Sixers negotiated as part of the deal. So it is June 1st. They have to make that decision by. So I I think the Nets are going to give it back to the Sixers, but you know that's just a guess. I don't have any intel on their thoughts. I, I guess the the reason for that feeling would be the Nets are not looking to make any picks. Correct. They're looking to use their picks as trade assets to get veteran talent in with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, that uh, Ben Simmons, that whole crew they have there. So, uh, and the Sixers pick next year, by the way, if they, they take it is unprotected, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I don't think that's going to be a very, the beauty of unprotected picks. There is the, the beauty of like, Hey, this could be anything, you know, if, you know, the Sixers get a couple injuries or something goes completely haywire. You know, they, they, that could be a lottery pick. Do I think the Sixers, if they, they just trade to buy? I mean, look, if they bring this roster back for the most part, do I think that that would be a lottery pick? No, I think the Sixers are going to win a lot of regular season games again because that's that's the formula with this crew uh, for now. But that's that's generally why I, I think the Nets would uh, 
would pass on it. So, like you said, I think they view this this pick as a trade asset. I think the the moment you select a player in the draft, he loses value in a trade unless you happen to pick the one player that the uh, team you're negotiating with desperately wants. But if you select a player and you don't have something worked out ahead of time, that player is going to be worth less in a trade than uh, than a a draft pick would have been. So I think if you're looking at it from the Nets perspective, unless they feel very confident that they can make a trade for a veteran at the draft, and maybe there are discussions which lead them to believe that, then maybe they want the pick to use as a trade chip for this year. If that isn't the case, I think it makes sense for them to keep it, uh, use it as a trade in the summer, use it as a trade at the trade deadline, and not roster a rookie. Maybe you can convince me that they trade it to another team for a different 2023 first round pick that maybe they think has a little more upside perhaps, but I I think odds are they probably defer that pick just because there's unlikely that they will have a certain trade negotiated and agreed upon before June 1st. So I think the deadline being June 1st makes it likely that the Sixers will have the 2022 first round pick and Brooklyn will defer it to 2023. Like you, I'm not going off of Intel. I'm just sort of talking my way through it. So, well, that'd be good. I mean, we'll have another year to look at some late round prospects. I mean, it is it is funny that even in years where we had like no juice, like where we weren't really even focusing that much on it, like Jaden Springer got picked last year. There were a couple of guys who uh, who could have helped the Sixers this year. They got picked after Herb Jones, I think, is the the obvious one. Uh, so. Look, those picks are are very important, and you know we'll see what happens with uh, with Springer. I don't want to like single him out because, hey, look, the Sixers have had two picks in the twenties, I believe, over the past couple of years. They're getting a decent amount of value out of the two of them yeah. cum- cumulatively because one of them was Tyrese Maxey. So. And look, Desmond Bain was just the thirtieth pick in the draft not too long ago. Yeah, um, in huge draft. role from yeah, huge role from Memphis. I, I remember sitting there hoping he would fall to. I think the Sixers had like the fifth and the sixth pick in the second round or something like that. Pretty pretty high picks. He's been real, there's there's going to be a player available there. It's just tough. And by the way, I think a lot of the logic that the Nets we talked about with the Nets where they would probably want to use that as a trade chip. Sixers probably would investigate that too. Oh um, yeah, for sure. They they did last year. They just found out that the value of no. you know the the twenty something pick and the I, I forget what the pick was last year it was late because they were number one seed. It didn't have a lot of value. Th- those picks in the late twenties don't don't carry the same value they probably did five six years ago. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So I think uh, that is just about all that I have. Unless you have any other thoughts or, or anything to look out for here in the next week. No, I, I don't think I do. Um, be nice if the Phillies started winning some games uh, again. Yes. Um, I, I know better than to get my hopes up with that team and that organization at this time. I've been burned too many times, for sure. Does make right. summer more interesting, though, if they are interesting. But nope, I got nothing else. So thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.